Father, this morning we just come to you. The author, the finisher of our fate. What you begin, you are faithful to finish. And I believe, Lord, you have begun your work in everyone here. I want to believe, Lord, everyone is saved. I want to believe everyone has received you as their Lord and Savior. And I pray each one will surrender. Allow the Spirit of Jesus, the Spirit of Jesus, O Father, the Spirit of Jesus to work in them. Allow the Spirit of Jesus to work in them. Open ears we need. Not only now, every day to hear from you. Willing heart to be obedient. You said if you're willing and obedient, you will eat the best of the land. And even as I minister here, and our little ones will go now down, bless the little ones and their teachers. Let the anointing rest above and below. The same anointing. We believe you will pour out your spirit upon all our children, all our adults this year. Pour out your spirit, Lord. Without your spirit, we can do nothing. And without your spirit, you do nothing. Oh, Father. We believe for increased anointing this year, Lord, over our lives. For only the anointing breaks the yoke. Speak to us now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Yes, the children can go for Sunday school. Not the teens. Teen classes canceled. The children can go. Go quietly. Put your mask on. Anisha, lead your flock. Okay. Everyone. Little ones. Yes. Are we ready? Okay. You could maybe shut that door too. Okay. We turn to Psalm number 103 and verse 7. 103 and verse 7. God made his ways known to Moses. We don't need to know about the acts. We need to know about his ways. Okay. So there were 600,000 men and women and children who came out. And then there was one man who knew the ways of God. And because one man knew the ways of God, God protected them, provided for them for 40 years. Just keep those doors shut. 40 years. 40 years. But the actual promises of God for them did not come to pass. If you know why it did not come to pass, it's because they did not know the ways of God. They were not interested in the ways of God. So please understand this. There is a provision and there is a protection. And then there is an entering into the promises of God. We do not know the ways of God because of the prayers of others. God may protect us, provide for us basic needs. But to his promises and his plans and his purposes, we will not enter. And we need to enter into that. We will just wander through life. Wander through life. If you were to ask most of you, do you know what is your purpose? You may struggle to answer. 
struggle to answer. But this is the God who blesses. He speaks very clearly. He speaks. It's a God who blesses. He's also God who disciplines us when we disobey. Disobey. The blessings of God, if you listen to it, is unbelievable. If you look at the, the main chapter in the Old Covenant of blessings is Deuteronomy 28. You don't have to, you can go home and read the whole chapter of blessings and the, the curses that come upon us when we disobey. If you read through the curses, you will see so many of things seems to be very familiar in our lives. But just look at the two verses, okay? Now it shall come to pass if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God. How can you obey what you don't hear? How do you know what you hear is from him if you do not know the written word? There are many voices out there, right? Many voices out there. How do you know it is his voice? How do you clarify it is voice if you do not know your word? That's why Bible says faith comes from hearing. That is the voice. And hearing from the word of God, that is the covenant. The voice of the old, the Lord your God, to observe carefully. It's not actually, uh, okay, it's fine. All his commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth. That I'll put you up. Then, verse 2. And all this blessing shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord. You know what he is saying? You don't have to seek blessings. You cannot outrun them. They will overtake you. They will overtake you. Like Elijah ran ahead of Ahab's chariot. The blessings will overtake you. You don't have to plead and beg and struggle for the blessings of God. They will overtake you. This is God's word. Verse 15. But it shall come to pass, if you do not obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all his commandments, his statutes, which I command you today, then all these curses will come upon you and they will also overtake you. You cannot run away. Nobody can run faster than these things. Because a demonic has power. If they know you have disobeyed God and you are on the wrong side of God, you are rebelling against God, they have autonomy. And they will run and overtake you. Now we want blessings to overtake us. We do not want curses to overtake us. But, the Bible says, we all have disobeyed, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So God, for his children, gives this promise. Second Chronicles chapter 7. It shall come to pass. Yeah. Then the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said to him, I have heard your prayer and I have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. When I shut up heaven, I shut up heaven and there is no rain or command the locusts to devour the land. Remember the promise? I will restore the years the locusts have eaten. Locusts or send pestilence among my people. I allow the enemy to eat your blessings away. Eat your blessings away. If you have seen a garden patch 
or a field where the locusts have different kinds of locusts are mentioned in Joel. No consuming, chewing, crawling, my great army. One set of locusts comes and goes, you will see the leaf with holes in it, full patches. Another set comes, you will see the leaves are also gone, just those sticks sticking out. And that's what the word is what of God is talking about. By the time this demonic has gone through, your life is like that. Life is like that. Because they've stolen away everything. But the devil comes to steal. But we give him permission. Through our disobedience. That's what the Bible is saying. And verse 14 says, If my people who are called by name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now my eyes will be opened my ears attentive to prayer made in this place. So God is giving a way out. He always will give us a way out. And it is important because you know what? We are his people. And he is God. We'll say, God, why don't you just, just take them out of my life? He says, because I'm righteous. He won't pervert justice. He won't bend his justice. We need to understand from where God is coming. These are the results of the curses that come upon us because we did not obey his voice. Then we have this incredible promise of what happened on Calvary in Galatians 3, 14 and 15. That the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus. That we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Brethren, Okay, yeah, uh, can I have uh, verse 13, not 14, verse 13, 13, 13 and 14 go together. Christ has redeemed us from the curse. He redeemed us from the curse. Remember the confessions? You got it all as the bookmarks? Do you say that? <laughs> okay, the confessions are there and they are powerful. Because this is the reality of what happened. All the curses of the law. He redeemed us from the curse. But how did he become? Cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. By hanging on the tree, he took all the curses upon himself. And released the blessing of the Holy Spirit. That's what we saw in 39. Spare is the cry. And he spared us because he did not spare his son. Because he did not spare his son. What is the blessing? The blessing of Abraham might come upon us through Jesus Christ that we might receive the promise of the... That is the promise. That is the blessing. Meaning, when you have the Spirit of God coming into our lives, He will speak to us how to come into the area of blessings. He will teach you. Curses have been broken. Now move into the land of promises or the life where the promises of God come. And the Bible is very clear in the book of Corinthians. Every promise is yes and amen in Christ Jesus. It is yes and amen. Every promise. And the Bible says through Peter that it is through this exceedingly glorious great promises we partake of the very divine nature of God. That's why the Holy Spirit is inside. Because there are 9,000 plus promises. I don't need all of them. The promises which I need may be not the promises you need. Because our struggles are different. What the locust has eaten in my life, he may have left intact in yours and eaten another area off. 
So each one needs to hear as you meditate upon the word of God or during the hearing of the word of God, you need to realize, ah, the spirit of God will speak to you inside. This is what you need. Now believe, repent, ask for forgiveness and confess and walk in obedience. I will restore. I will restore. This is the work the Holy Spirit does in us. It's a living person. He gave it to us. He comes within us and he does. So if you are a child of God, remember this. And we choose to continue in disobedience, God will discipline us. On the other hand, listen carefully. If we are living in disobedience and God does not discipline us, we need to ask, am I really a child of God? Am I really a child of God? Now you may look into your circumstances and say, but I don't lack anything. That is not the blessing. Your real blessing is, is God speaking to you? Saul had a kingdom. He had an army. He had a palace. And he had power. And God did not speak to him. And therefore, at the end, he destroyed himself. Okay. You have to get the new covenant. The new covenant is, we have a God who speaks to us. He speaks to us. And we learn to hear his voice and obey. And in the midst, when God disciplines his children, God disciplines his children, we need a prophetic voice. Why are you disciplining me? How is the way back? How can I get restored? Are you getting the picture? There are two scenarios. Please remember for New Covenant believers. There are two. Old Covenant is different. New Covenant scenario is this. There are two scenarios. Matthew 5 verse 10 and 12. 10 to 12. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile you, persecute you, say all kinds of things of evil against you falsely for my sake. He says if you are going through because of my sake, my name, like it's happening in China, Middle East, all of them, it's not because they are disobedient. It's because they are obedient. He says, your reaction is what? Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. Why? Great is your reward in heaven. Their reward and our reward cannot be compared. Great is your reward in heaven. So you have to look at what you are going through. Is it because of righteousness sake? Because if you don't identify what you are going through, your response could be wrong. But when it comes to when God is disciplining us in Hebrews 12 and verse 7, if you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. So what son is there whom a father does not chasten? So if you are being persecuted for righteousness sake, what is the response? Rejoice. If you are being disciplined for your disobedience, what is your response? Endure. Don't quit and run away. I had enough of this God, I will go back to my idols. So you have to look. Am I being persecuted or am I being chastened? If I am being persecuted, I will rejoice and be exceedingly glad. If I am being chastened, I will endure that chastening. I will come through that. We will look at that later. So be very, very careful. In verse 11, the Bible says, No chastening seems to be joyful for the present. So God says, when you are being persecuted for righteousness sake, be joyful. 
When you are being disciplined for being disobedient, it is not joyful. It is not joyful. What is there to be joy about? Hmm? You stole money from the bank. You have put in the jail. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you for persecuting me. You are an idiot. You are an idiot. What are you rejoicing there for? You deserve that. Now endure that. Change now. And by the time you come out, I will use you. You will be a testimony. Endure it. What discipline you are going through. Okay. So remember, in one it is joy. The other is endurance. If you try to endure when you are being persecuted with a long face and self-pity, nothing will happen. Paul and Silas were not enduring in the prison. They were rejoicing in the prison. Joy, rejoicing in the prison. But when you are going through a disciplining process, God says, endure it. Hang in there until the process is complete and God's work comes to pass. So we have to learn to inquire. In Second Samuel chapter 21 and verse 1, the Bible says, you saw pestilence, famine, locusts. These are all terms when God sends judgments into you have to spiritually look at how it applies to us. Now there is a famine. There was a famine in the days of David for three years, year after year. And David inquired of the Lord. What did he do? One year, second year, third year. Then he went to God and said, Lord, what's the problem? What is the problem? What is the, what is the block? Why is it happening? I'm keeping the law and I have seen the children of Israel are observing the law. I hear your voice, but why is there famine? And the Lord told him, it is because of Saul and his house. He said it happened many years ago. But my Lord, he broke and the land is going through famine. You put it right, the famine will go. So we have to learn to inquire of the Lord. Don't take it naturally. Yes, there is a natural cause. But we don't stick to the natural. If you're going through a continuous, serious medical issue, go to your doctor, take your medicines, go to God and ask, what's the reason? Is there a curse in my family? Is there a stumbling block? Like I said in the word, it is written. When God is your king, your lawgiver and judge, there will be no sick inhabitant. Am I straining myself? Am I worrying? Is it anxiety and worry which is, is it, what is causing this law? I look into your word and your word is truth. I refuse to accept any sickness in my body unless you say, you have given it to me. I thank you for the doctors. I thank you for the medication. I thank you for the healing. I thank you for all of it. But I lift your word up and I'm going to ask you, Lord, why? Paul asked, and God said, this I have given it to you. Whatever it was, the affliction in his body, in his flesh, right from Satan, he asked three times, and God said, to keep you humble, because you got too much knowledge of me, and I don't want you to get proud like Satan and fall, because he also had too much knowledge about me. Okay. So please remember, this is how restoration takes place. In Personally, in my life, I've fallen sick, but I refuse to allow it to stay. Refuse to allow, even though you know my nose, you know, what happened in the last two months. I refuse to allow it. I'm not on medication. I stand before the mirror and I speak to my nose and I tell Lord, this is not just my nose, it's your nose. If it comes back, I'll shout at it. It's not that I don't take medication because I don't want to interrupt the preaching. It looked terrible if I'm stifling and stifling and preaching. No, what I'm saying, we all have issues, but we fight it. We don't take it as normal. We are not people of the world. That is natural. We are people of the kingdom. We are supernatural. 
Like I was trying to tell the children yesterday. It was not, no, I would talk to them again and again. I talk to them, okay? The problem is we get a different picture when we watch all this stuff is that there was only one true Superman. That was Jesus. But you need to know how he walked. Satan offered him a choice before the beginning of his ministry. You can be really Superman and float in the air, jump. <coughs> he said, no. But that's what all supermen do. <coughs> he says, no, I will tell you what the Superman does. He says, the Superman goes to the cross. He dies to his own life and lives for the lo- lo- will of his father. That is Superman and superwomen who die to their life, die to their will, die to their dreams, die to their vision. <coughs> And they live for God. That is Superman. Superman of the world live for themselves. Live for their name. Live for their glory. Live for their honor. We die to all that and live for God's glory. and God's honor. (coughs) So you have to look at it. and Don't take it. Inquire of the Lord. Honestly inquire of the Lord. If there is any block, any block, like we saw in the book of Haggai. You work, you work, you work, you work, you work, you work. You bring the money at the end of the year, end of the month, end of the first, second week. There's nothing left. It's not normal. It's not normal. It's not normal. You have to go and ask God, Lord, what is the reason? Where have I go wrong? And God will speak to you. Through a message, God will speak to you. He will say, this is the reason. This is the reason. And humble yourself. And do not be offended. One of the things is do not be offended when you read the word, you hear the word. Do not be offended because if you get offended, God cannot speak to you again. Do not be offended. It's one thing you have to guard your heart from. So in Joel, verse chapter 1, verse 1 and 2, the word of the Lord that came to Joel, the son of Bethuel. Hear this, you elders. What's happened? They have an issue. They have issue. Locusts have coming and eaten away everything. Land is completely bare. And it's a reflection of us, prophetic picture. The land is bare. And they don't know what to do. How will they know what to do for restoration to take place unless there is a prophetic voice that speaks to us? Right? That is what the Bible is all about from the book of Isaiah. All these prophets are coming and telling them, this is the problem, this is the reason, this is the solution. What did they do? Jesus said, you and your forefathers killed all my prophets. You didn't want to change. You didn't want to change. So what did you do? Instead of listening to my voice, what did your forefathers do, Israel? They went to Baal and the pagan gods because you don't have to change for them. If it is rain, you won't give rain, we will ask rain from them and they will give us rain. God says, you know what, they may give you rain, but you will still be dispersed to the ends of the world. You will become their slave. Instead of being the top, you will become the bottom. That's the issue with us too. Because what we are trying to do is that when we have a problem in our life, we try even more to overcome it without going to God. And we realize it doesn't work. It doesn't work. What are we doing? We are going to the other God. Cursed is the man who trusts in the arm of flesh. God says, no, I want you to come back to me. I am allowing this to happen to restore you back to me because you are my child. So unless you have a prophetic voice that comes and speaks, and that's the voice of the Holy Spirit, can come through different ways. And do not be proud. 
Men do not be proud. Sometimes like Abraham, it will be through Sarah's voice, God will speak and say, you know what? You will never become what I have become. Israel will never come into being unless you throw Ishmael out. And Sarah told him, he was very upset. But that was God speaking to him through his wife. Then God told him, you know what? Listen to what your wife said. Don't worry about Ishmael, I'll take care of you. But Isaac and Ishmael cannot grow together. Sometimes it will be a husband speaking to you. Do not be offended. There are prophetic voices in your own home. And you have to learn to listen to it. If you don't listen to it, you will miss it. You will miss it. Like I said, the first coming of Jesus Christ. Remember the first coming of Jesus Christ. He comes to his temple. The temple is built for his name. Everything that is happening in the temple is about him. And he is there, 40 days old. Nobody has any clue the king has come into his temple for the first time in the physical form. Except two people. An old man and an old lady. The old man was outside, the old lady was inside. The man who was outside is told by the Holy Spirit, run. Your appointed time has come. The king has come. Only two people knew. How did they know? The Spirit of God moved them. That's the key. That's why we have to be careful. Okay, Because if God doesn't tell us, let me put this, put this example. Let me put this example. Let us say I take, you know, my children are all grown up. But let us say I, the children are, one child is small. Let us say, I'm, let, let's say Atra is there. Atra is too small. Abigail. Pastor Vita just picks up Abigail and spanks her. And doesn't tell her what did he spank her for. Doesn't it sound ridiculous? And she's wondering, why did he spank me? I'm not going to tell you. I just feel like spanking him. Justin. <laughs> okay, okay, Abigail. Doesn't sound ridiculous. So God sends famine. God sends pestilence. God sends locusts. And doesn't tell you why he sent it to us. Doesn't sound ridiculous. That's why we need that prophetic voice. The voice will come and tell, these locusts I have sent. And I will restore. You know how restoration comes? This is what you need to do. That only you can hear from God. You can hear it personally. If you study your word of God, you can hear it personally. Turn to Jeremiah chapter 32. Remember, God is good. He's a good, good father. That even when he's punishing us, when he's disciplining us, it is to restore us. Okay? And they came in and took possession of it, but they have not obeyed your voice or walked in your law. They have done nothing of all that you commanded them to do. Therefore, you have caused all this calamity to come upon them. Why did this calamity come? They possessed the land, and after that, they did not obey. Okay? Like I keep telling, healing is not that difficult thing. That's a very easy thing. It's a very easy thing to get healed. To walk in your healing is what is difficult. God's blessing is not healing. That is intervention during bad health. God's blessing is health. Understand that. Blessing is health. The healing is a supernatural event to make you know his power is still there. Deliverance is not the norm. Walking in your deliverance is the norm. Liberty is the norm. And we have to walk in the norm and not in the aberration. Okay. So God says, they took the land, but calamity has come. Why? Because they did not obey your voice. Let's go for 23. And they came, yeah. 
Then I will give them one heart. But he says, you know what? Can I, I, didn't I give you 22 and 23? Okay, okay, I'm sorry. Just put 22 and 23 together. That same chapter, 32, 22 and 23. And has given them this land, which thou, oh, we went to KJV. They swear to their fathers to give them a land flowing with milk and honey. God says, I was faithful to my promise. I gave you the land. They overcame it, but they couldn't keep the land. Couldn't keep the land. God gives you a job. And your salary increases. Now that money has come, you don't need God anymore like before you stop praying. When you did not have a job, you're desperate. You never missed any meeting. You fasted. You prayed. You made only 10,000 rupees or 5,000 rupees. You tithed faithfully. Then God gave you the land. Now your job has come. Money has come in pots and pans. Now I go to church. Tithes. Why give God? You know what happens? You can't keep the land. You can't keep the land. That's what God is talking. You can't keep the land. I gave you a land flowing with milk and honey. But you could not keep the land because you knew, you did not know how to keep what God has given you. So God says, but you know what? I will disperse them. But I will intervene also. Let's have 36 to 42. Okay. Now therefore thus says the Lord God of Israel, concerning the city which you say, it shall be delivered into the hand of the king of Babylon by the sword, by famine, by pestilence. Yeah. Behold, I will gather them out of all the countries where I have driven them in my anger, in my fury, in my great wrath. I will bring them back to this place and I will cause them to dwell safely. And God is saying, in the process, you know what actually happened? All the rebels died. And the faithful were left. One of the ways God uses today also in one set of nations is he allows persecution and gets all the lukewarm and the fake out. And keeps the real in. Okay. Okay. Where there is no persecution, you know what happens? He will allow famine to come. And all of them, a lot of them fall away and say, I am not serving this God anymore. What is the point of being a Christian? Or he allows prosperity, which is a test. Many fall there also. Go to 33. 33.3. I didn't give you all those. Dr. Richard, I'm sorry. How did I miss? Yeah. Call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Look in the midst of this calamity in Babylonian captivity, what God is saying? Call unto me. I will show, answer you, show you great and mighty things. Which you do not know. Which you do not know. Look to verse 6 to 9. Behold, I will bring it health and healing. I will heal them and reveal them to the abundance of peace and truth. I will cause the captives of Judah and the captives of Israel to return and will rebuild those places as at the first. He's talking about restoration. I will cleanse them from all their iniquity by which they have sinned against me. I will pardon all their iniquities by which they have sinned and by which they have transgressed against me. Then it shall be to me a name of joy, a praise, 
and honor before all nations of the earth who shall hear of all the good that I do to them. They shall fear and tremble for all the goodness and the prosperity that I provide for it. Did you see? God is saying, when you turn away, this is what I will do. And when I do this to you, all the nations will realize. If you look in the Middle East, from 1948 till today, the nations around tremble at Israel. Physically, he has prospered them. Physically, he has blessed them. Now, we are not looking at Israel. We are looking at our own lives. That in the midst of calamity, in the midst of pestilence, in the midst of it, God says, you know what? My hand will be upon you. And the Gentiles around will see the pestilence will not touch you. The famine will not eat you. And they will realize your God is God. This is the God of restoration. And in verse 19 to 21, you need to know when God says something. It's a very powerful three verses. And the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah saying, Thus says the Lord, if you can break my covenant with the day and my covenant with the night, so that there will not be day and night in their season, then my covenant may also be broken with David my servant, so that he shall not have a son to reign on his throne, and with the Levites, the priests, and my ministers. Do you know what he's saying? He says, how many of you believe we are sitting here, night will not come? How many of you, when you went to sleep yesterday, thought sun will not rise? He says, as long as there is day and night, I will keep my part of the promise. It will never break. That's what he's saying. He's giving us literal, he says, anybody doubts about day and night? No. Nobody thinks, nobody thinks about day and night. It will normally come. He says, as long as there is day and night, there will be my covenant. My side, you can be guaranteed, I will never break it. Never break it. And that's that's what God is talking about. He talks to us in our language in which we can understand. What is he talking about? The permanence of the covenant. And which covenant is this? The old covenant. Look at Deuteronomy 19 and verse 5. This is what he says. Oh, not Deuteronomy, sorry. Exodus 19, 5. Exodus 19, 5. No? My people, if they hear my voice, and obey my, therefore, if you indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you will be a special treasure to me above all people, for all the earth is mine. Now look at this practically in history, our history, not Indian history, the church's history. If you look at United States of America, okay, one set of poor people called Pilgrim Fathers to flee persecution, to flee poverty, to flee everything from Europe and everything. They traveled from there onto this. Many died on the way. Many died after reaching. That set of people, these were immigrants. And immigrants are are always look, leaving a place of poverty to go hoping for a future. It is this set of people who landed, made a covenant with God and said, You will be Lord of our lives and Lord of this land. And the world has never, ever in history seen a more powerful and a prosperous nation than USA. You know why? Because the same God. And the forefathers kept, now they are on the way down because their children have disobeyed and rebelled and mocked God, taken him out of all, and they are putting the idols of demons in public places. If you look at the Christmas nativity at the... um, 
uh, Illinois capital, whether their senate, their grounds, you had over there the nativity scene of Jesus and they brought the infant Baphomet, goat head, and they had, we have a right by law, they put him also and they sang carols to him. What something will not happen in India, they did it over there. So you need to realize, this is a promise. And God says, as long as there is day and night, you obey my voice, keep my word, I will bless you. I will make you a special people. I will make you a special people. Now you look at nationally, or you look at personally, and you will say, you know what? I believe it, Lord. I believe it. I believe. And Help me, Lord. I believe. Now this is the old covenant. Now we turn to Hebrews chapter 8 and read from verses 6 to 10. Now he has obtained a more excellent ministry. Who is he? Jesus. In as much as he is also a mediator of what? Mediator of what? A better covenant. We have a better covenant. Look at the promises and the blessings of the old covenant. God said that's nothing. You know you under which covenant you are? It is a better covenant which was established on better promises. We have a better covenant and better promises. If the old covenant and the old promises were so great, what about a better covenant and better promises? For if that first covenant had been faultless, then no place would have been sought for a second. What does it mean? The first covenant was faulty. The second covenant is faultless. You're getting it? He says, if you are part of the second covenant and you are walking in obedience, you will not fall through the gap. It is faultless. Better covenant, better promises, a faultless covenant. Because finding fault with them, he said, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel, with the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant I made with their fathers in the day which I took them by the land, hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt because they did not continue in my covenant I disregarded them saying the Lord for this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days says the Lord and this is the key what's the difference between the old covenant and the new covenant the old covenant was outside the new covenant is inside that's the difference the spirit personally will speak to everyone he will write in our hearts what does God want for from us He will put my laws in their mind, write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. This is the key. So you know what you have to do? You have, and I have to do, we have to keep everything to protect the voice of the Holy Spirit in our life. Don't let junk in. Don't let junk in. You should go to school, study. You should go to your office, work. That's all part of God's plan for you. But other than that, don't let junk in because you will not hear that voice. You will not hear that voice. There was, because he always talks about David. Why David? Because David was in the wilderness. Because he was in the wilderness, he heard the voice of God. That was the key, the wilderness. God led Israel into the wilderness, cut out all the voices of Egypt. 
so that they would learn to hear his voice. It was in the wilderness, he said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds. They've recognized David's anointing. He's taken into Saul's palace. Deliverance comes to King Saul whenever he plays the harp or whatever musical instrument. But the minute he's not needed, he runs from the palace, goes back to the wilderness. He doesn't stay in Saul's palace. He doesn't go to his father's house. He goes to the wilderness where he knows there is no other voice but the voice of my God. And you have to be zealous for that voice. You have to be zealous for this voice. Let me tell you honestly. Otherwise we will not make it. Looking at what is coming, we will not make it. We don't want to be part of the falling away. See, if you're physically falling, you will know. When you're spiritually sliding, you will not be aware. Unless the Holy Spirit tells you. You will not be aware. So God says, protect my voice because I have given you a better covenant, better promises, and it is faultless. So how does that voice come? Yesterday's Q&A, we had a discussion. People were asking from the Middle East, from Australia, from US. They were asking this question about the new covenant and the old covenant. How do we hear? This is the key. For the word of God is living, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. The word of God in the hands of the Holy Spirit, what does it do? It pierces even to the division of the soul and the spirit. It goes beyond the soul and the spirit. Everything that you are hearing now is through your soul. And you cannot trust your soul. Because in your soul is your intellect, your will, and your emotion. But the word of God, if you allow the Holy Spirit, goes, touches your spirit. And the spirit will speak to your soul. And that is what you have to believe. That is what you receive. See, David went through trouble like no man because he was anointed. And when he goes down, you will always see his refrain, what he says. Oh my soul, why are you downcast? Does he say that? Now let me ask you this. If he says, oh my soul, then who is speaking there? His spirit is speaking to his soul. Trust in the Lord. The soul receives everything from the world. Soul is after you. Soul is after you. Philistines are after you. You will die. It's receiving everything. Famine is happening. People are losing jobs. Omicron has come. You hear all that. And the spirit tells, why are you downcast? God does not speak to your soul. Let me tell you, I speak to your soul. God does not speak to your soul. But the voice of the Holy Spirit beneath my voice speaks to your spirit. And that is where there is life. That is why Jesus said, my words are spirit and life to those who find it. That's how you should read your word. You are not just memorizing scripture. You are not just studying scripture. What you are doing is, as you study, read scripture, you are telling Lord, speak to me. Speak to me. One, let me tell you, one word from God is worth thousand sermons. One word from God, if you hear and you believe, is worth a thousand sermons. And we have to learn to hear from God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 9 and 10, as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. It doesn't say God has revealed it to us through his word. The spirit reveals it to us through the word. What is the word for confirmation? The spirit speaks. If you don't know your word, 
you will not understand the spirit is speaking sometimes the spirit speaks to you something and you know it is the holy spirit you believe it and you walk in it and one day when you are reading the word you will say ha ah, this is what i heard it is here it is here it is written I didn't know it was written. The spirit knew. He spoke to it. In your faith, you believed what he said. And later when you're going through the word, you saw it is written. It is there. You can have, I have personally, and I know countless testimonies of men and women of God, where they heard the spirit speak and later found it in the word because the Holy Spirit will not go outside to protect us, to protect us because there is a deceiver who will speak. In Second Corinthians chapter 3, the word of God says, Clearly you are an epistle of Christ ministered by us, written not with the ink, but by the spirit of the living God, not tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh, that is of the heart. What is Paul saying? Paul is telling the church, everyone who believes and learns to hear the voice of God and is continuously changing, you are a letter. The world will read you. You are a letter. Whose letter? The letter of the Holy Spirit. Return in your hearts. Because when he comes in the new covenant, he will write in your mind and in your hearts. And that becomes your law. Then Christ is king. Christ is the lawgiver. And then when you look at situations from within, you judge. Christ has become your judge. Christ has become your judge. That's what he's talking about. Not on stone, but on the tablets of flesh. That is on the heart. So now when we come to Joel 2 and verse 25. Restoration. So I will restore to you. When God talks about restoration, God is, God's, that's why we have to understand God's way. God's ways are not our ways. And he does it in Israel. So Egypt. The way God does. When God brings them out of Egypt, everybody knows this story. When God brings them out of Egypt, you know what he does? He makes it impossible for them to get out. Pharaoh's army behind, Red Sea behind, he took them in a round way and jammed them up. They can't turn anywhere. Why did God do that? Because God says, I want you to know in generation, what you think impossible is nothing for me. So think about the impossibilities in your life. And when God talks about restoration, he goes to one thing which is impossible. He begins there. Like I said on 31st night, you lose money, work hard, save, money can be restored. You fall in, lose your health, you can change your dietary habits, exercise, you can get your health back. You can get almost everything back. What you cannot, impossible, you cannot get back is time. You cannot get your time back. But what the word of God says, I will restore to you the years. So don't say, oh, only time. God saying, if time I can restore, what about the other things? Is it difficult for me? So whenever God speaks to our life, he goes to that one area in our life where we have written off. Impossible. Now think about an impossibility in your life where you have written it off. And God says, believe me. And it should be the will of God for you. Believe. That side doors, windows have to be closed. Okay? Believe in me. I will make it possible. Believe me. Believe. If it is within the will of God, so be very careful. Don't ask for stupid things which is outside the will of God, which Gentiles ask for. Don't go into that. Okay? But I am saying within the will of God, God says, the impossible, I will make it possible. 
So what do we need to do? The wasted years. We looked at right, right? The years we lost. The years we wasted. Everybody has that. Wasted years. Elijah was so depressed. You know, depression is because of we have lost time. See, you look at the little children over there. They are naughty. They are not depressed. We make them depressed. They are not depressed. Because listening to modern crackpot psychology, we try to share our problems with the child. The child will be left as a child. They will be happy. Why is there depression? Because you look at all that is happening and time is running out. You haven't achieved anything. Depression comes in. Even Elijah was depressed. So depressed he was suicidal. He just wanted to die. God took him on the mouth. One word. What are you doing here? Go back the way. It's not over. How many years? This man who wanted to die went up in glory in chariots of fire. Look at what he wanted. And how God restored. Moses was so depressed when God met him at the age of 80. He did not want to go. Leave me alone. I will live like a shepherd and die here in the wilderness. God said, what are you talking about? You are the man chosen. Take this stick and go. And history changes. Please understand this. You have to hear from God. You have to go to the promises of God. You have to stand on the promises of God. And God will deliver us from those ears, from that locust that have eaten. But what does God expect from us? What are we supposed to do? Joel 1.14. First, he says, cry out to the Lord. The first thing, you know, fast. God talks about a fast. Cry Cry out to the Lord. Fast and cry. Why does he say fast? Fast is basic. You can, you can fast without humbling yourself. No? The purpose of fasting is to humble. The Pharisee fasted three times a week and his nose was up in the air. That is not the purpose, okay? Fasting is primarily humbling yourself. Basically saying, Lord, I don't know what to do. But my eyes are on you. Without you, I cannot do anything. Anything. That's fasting. Humbling yourself. And the first thing is what? Cry out to the Lord. And then 2.12. Now therefore says, turn to me with all your heart again with fasting. Now we will think we have turned with all our heart. But when the Holy Spirit shows us our heart, we will realize we didn't even turn 10 degrees. So many things are hidden in us which we do not know are against God. That's why fasting and seeking, because when we fast and seek, God will show things. And when we put it away, we are turning with all our heart, with weeping and with mourning. And then 2.17, what is the cry? The cry is, spare your people, Lord. And if you are not a pastor, just say, spare me. Spare my family. Spare my household. Don't look at the prosperity of your family. Don't look at how happy they are. The people in the world, the people of Sodom and Gomorrah were very happy. Very happy. The people of Noah's time were very happy. Because the word of God says they were eating and drinking, marrying and getting married. The children were studying. They had jobs and all. And one day they were all destroyed. So don't be happy at the prosperity of your unbelieving family. Cry out to the Lord because the day of the Lord is near. Spare them, O Lord. Spare them. Spare them. 
cry out. Don't look at that and thinking that material blessing. Where are you going to take this? If the Lord, day of the Lord is tomorrow. What will happen to you? Your wife, your children, what will happen to them? Ask Lot, could you get your family out? No. Bible says Lot was righteous. It does not say Lot's wife was righteous. The Bible does not say daughters were righteous. Only Lot was righteous. So God took one man out and his wife died on the way. And judgment came. So be very serious about these things because those of you here who believe have the power to cry out to God, spare. Spare. You may have two siblings. Let us say you have two siblings. You are the believer. You have two siblings. One is miserable, upset, depressed because of locusts eaten into his life. Another is okay. He's doing very well or she's doing very well, all prosperous. You know what? You are in the middle. This one is miserable and he doesn't know the God to cry out who can restore. This one is very happy and he does not know judgment is tomorrow. Both are in the same boat. And you are in the middle and God says cry for this and cry for that. He doesn't have a voice to cry and he doesn't know he needs to cry. He needs to cry. Understand. Don't get myopic and look at the life on earth right now because it is fading away. The world and its desires are fading away. The cry you should be, Lord, spare your people. Let not the Gentiles, you are not worried about the Gentiles, let not the demonic mock at your people. Spare your people for your namesake. For your namesake. Okay? And if you have no family to worry about, let us say you are an orphan, no family to worry about, think about last year's promise. You are that barren woman who to your cry for somebody else's children can birth children in the spirit. Because there are a lot of orphans in the world. They have no family. God says, I can use you now to birth even more, rescue even more. So it doesn't matter what your state is. You all have responsibilities. We all have. 2.13 So rent your heart. Rent your heart, he says. Not your garments. Rent your heart. He says, I don't want something that is outward. I want that is inward. And I will tell you when it happens. It happens primarily only when you're one-on-one with God before, on your face before God. His spirit will work on you. He will rent your heart. Don't try to do these things on your own because we can't. That is why through the promises, God says, I will, I will, I will, I will, I will. If he will, he has given me a will. I have to, in my will, ask him, do your will. I have to give him permission. The Holy Spirit, break my heart. Rent my heart, Lord. Rent my heart. Break my heart, Lord. Rent, Lord. Look at David. After the whole mess he made in Psalm 51, 17. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. These, O oh God, you will not despise. This man knew it. He said, if you wanted sacrifices, a thousand bulls, ten thousand sheep I will offer. But I know that's not what you want. You want my heart, a broken heart. And he says, you know what? That I give. I give it to you. That's what God is looking for. He will not despise that heart. Turn with all your heart. Rent your heart, not your garments. He says, I don't want any outward show. Don't worry about it. I want it between you and me, one on one. 
And then what will happen? He says, I will do these things. Look at what God will do. Then the Lord will be zealous for his his land. Make it personal. Then Jesus will be zealous for me. Make it personal. He will be zealous for me. Then Jesus will be zealous for me. He will have pity on me and my household. He will have pity on me and my house. Everything in the Bible when God speaks to you, make it personal. Make it personal. Don't sit in the closet and pray, Our Father who art in heaven. There is nobody else there. It's you. My Father. My Father. When you feel depressed, keep saying that. My Father who is in heaven. My Father. And see how your heart, Mahendra, you will see how your heart will change. How your heart will change. How your depression will lift. Because you have a father in heaven. That's why if you're in yesterday's and one of the questions, the answer we gave was that. In Matthew 6, God says, don't worry, don't worry what to eat, don't worry, don't worry. He says, look at the sparrows of the earth, the birds of the earth, the sparrows. Do they worry? And, and he doesn't say, their father. He says, your father takes care of them. How much more? God is not the father of sparrows. He's the creator. Is our father. He says, your father takes care of them. This is exactly what the prodigal son understood in the pig pen. In my father's house, the servants are eating. I am hungry. I'm getting, I'm going back home. That's what he realized. God is telling the same thing. You know what? Have you looked at the birds? Have you looked at the animals? Have you looked at all of them? Who takes care of them? Your father. Why are you worried? If I take care of dogs and cows and bulls and birds, you think my eye is not on you? We say your eye is on the sparrow. Really? His eye is on us. That's where, this is what I will do. I will be zealous for his me and he will have pity on me. Sympathy, pity. Pity is a big word in the Bible. Compassion is a big word in the Bible. That's why you have to read your new covenant and mark it. Jesus looked at the multitudes and he had compassion on them. Compassion. He says, let's feed them. Compassion. He healed their sick. Why? Because he had compassion on them. When God has compassion on you, think about who is having compassion on you. When God has compassion on you, do you know the power of that compassion? Here is Jesus and his disciples going into Nain. And out of the city of Nain, a group is coming out. A poor widow has lost her only child and they're taking the body for burial. And Jesus has compassion. Did anybody ask? Nobody asked. He stopped the funeral procession. Raised the child back to dead, gave it to the mother and walked away. Why? Because he had compassion. When he had compassion, he fed his people. When he had compassion, he healed his people. When he had compassion, he delivered his people. When he had compassion, he raised the dead without even asking. When God has compassion upon his people, do you know the result of it? Therefore, you must say, Lord, I don't deserve anything like the prodigal son, but just have compassion on me. Even when you have no faith to stand on. Say, Lord, I have no faith. Would you have pity on me? Would you have compassion on me? Would you have compassion on the lost ones in my household, in my home and cry out? And you know what? God will do it. God will start moving. God will send an angel. God will do turn, start turning events around. You know why? To save them. Because he has compassion. And you cried out and appealed on his mercy, on his sympathy, on his pity. 
You have to learn how to pray to God. You have to learn how, how to appeal to this God. And he says, I will move. I will move heaven and earth for you. Because why? You are my people. So he will have zeal for his land. He will have pity on his people. And verse 19, the Lord will answer. He will not remain silent. He will answer. The Lord will answer. It's a guarantee. I will answer. I will answer. He won't be silent. Heaven won't be silent. He says, I will answer you. You see, when you hear these things, that should activate your prayer life. Should activate. I have a God who will answer. I have a God who will answer. I will answer. And what? Behold, I will send you grain and new wine and oil. You will be satisfied by them. You know what? You know when you buy things on online and all, they will say, satisfaction guaranteed. If not, you can return it in 14 days. When God answers, God answers, satisfaction guaranteed. They took a little boy's five loaves and two fish, put it into his hands. He blessed it, broke it, gave it. Do you know what the Bible says? Everyone ate to their fill and was satisfied. There was not a single person in that crowd who went unsatisfied. Unsatisfied. Everybody was satisfied. I said this long time ago. No, there is bread and there is fish. But everybody doesn't like fish the same way. And I believe God did a miracle. Everyone got that fish, same fish, multiplied according to their taste. Malu, Telugu. I don't enjoy the Telugu fried fish because this tongue is different. I'm not saying it is bad. You're used to that. If I keep on eating, I'll like that. The problem is I have an option. The mallu fried fish. So if I had been in the crowd eating that boy's lunch, I would have got fish which had been mallu fried fish. Otherwise you won't be satisfied. I was full but not satisfied. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says they were filled and they were satisfied. They smacked their lips. In the country where I lived, when they enjoy their food, it's very spicy, hot spice. They have in their language, you know, when they enjoy it, you know what they say? They'll do like this. Simtoto. In their language. Very tasty. Simtoto. If there were Bhutanese sitting in the crowd, they would have eaten that and said, Simtoto. Satisfied. When God answers your prayer, you will be satisfied. Otherwise, he said, you can return it. Guaranteed. Satisfied. Guaranteed. Satisfied. You will be satisfied. Second, I will no longer make you a reproach among the nations. That will come back later. Verse 21. Fear not. Don't be afraid. Fear not. Be glad and rejoice. Fear not. Don't be afraid. Fear not. Be glad and rejoice. 22, 23. Do not be afraid. Again he says, or the beasts of the field for the open pastures are springing up and the tree bears its fruit. The fig tree and the wine yield their strength. What is he saying? He says, when I bless you, even your dogs won't complain. They will have more than enough to eat. Because when the locusts ate up everything, the beasts of the field are crying. They have nothing to eat. He says, you know what? I will not just bless you alone. 
Even your cat will have fish. Your dog will have meat. There will be enough in your house. It will overflow. It will touch everything that you have. When I restore, I will restore it this way. That's God who's promising. That's how I restore. It's like the little boy who went with his father to the market. And while coming back, his uh, father's friend was there. His father was buying something and he told the little boy, take a handful of peanuts. He said, no. Second time, he said, no. Third time, no. He said, no. Father said, take it. He said, no. Finally, the man took a handful. He took up his t-shirt and took it. While they're going, he asked the son, why didn't you take it? He said, my hands are small. His hands is big. I knew he would give it and I knew his hands are bigger than mine. If I had taken only this much, when he gives like this, God says, when I give, it's not your hands. It's not your hands. You have to live in a kingdom to understand if you are a subject, what you bring to the king. King Justin does take your gift. He will always give you a return gift and his return gift is mind-boggling compared to yours. When he gives you stuff back, it will be there while they're going, they will say, collect your gift and go from the king. And that's what God is talking about. That is where we have to believe that this is a God who blesses. 23, what happens? Be glad then you children of Israel. Do not be afraid. Be glad. Be glad. Rejoice in the Lord your God for he has given you the former rain faithfully. He will cause the rain to come down for you. The former rain and the latter rain in the first month. We saw that. We saw that. This is how he will do it. How will he do it? How will he restore? How will he restore? He will restore by sending the rain. We don't understand it. Okay, We don't understand it. We have to look in, into Israel's history. Listen carefully so that we will understand what God is saying. We will understand the principles behind which God is talking about. For Israel, he said, you know what? I will send you the former rain. I will send you the latter rain. The harvest will be ripe and you can harvest. They understand it because of where they came from. Look at Deuteronomy. For the land which you go possess is not like the land of Egypt from which you have come, where you sowed your seed and watered it by foot. You sowed your seed, no rain, only river Nile. Canals have to be cut. You have to use the mill to do this hard, laborious work. Because no rain. No rain. Egypt is still working under a curse. Working on records. They don't get rain in season. They don't get rain just before the harvest to ripen the harvest. They have to break their back, slog day and night to get their harvest. But he says, but the land which you cross over to possess is a land of hills and valleys which drinks water from the rain of heaven. Birds. Yeah. A land which the Lord your God cares The eyes of the Lord your God are always on it from the beginning of the year to the very end of the year. And it shall be that if you earnestly obey my commands which I command you today to love the Lord your God and serve him with all your heart, with all your soul, then I will give you the rain for your land in its season, the early rain and the latter rain. You may gather in your grain, your new wine and your new oil. Do you know what he's saying? My eyes are upon you. 
You will not work and labor and slog under the curse like the people in the world. You are not under the curse. He became a curse for you. You are blessed. If you listen to the voice of my Holy Spirit, you will suddenly realize you are working. You are not laboring. From the beginning of the year to the end of the year, it will just flow for you. Because I, the Lord, have is restoring your life back. Apply it spiritually. And I can tell you, for me, preaching in the word, if the spirit of God is in there, I labor. But when I relax, he comes in. It is easy. It just comes in like that. Because he said, I did not ask you to labor. I asked you to work. From the beginning of the year to the end of the year, I will give you the rain in season. You will not work like the Egyptians. You will not work the way you worked. I know the way I worked in the world. Oh, it was logging. It was logging. Text keeps on changing. You have to prepare. You have 500 answer scripts to be corrected in two days or three days. You have to go through with a red pen. It was logging, slogging, 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 slogging. Then you come over here. It's a completely different picture. You have to hear every day. You think it is easy? You think this would be more difficult? No, actually it became more easy. Think about teaching from a text for 25 years and you have a revelation every time. Same applies to every one of you. The same thing, God. He says, you know how you worked in Egypt? You know how you slogged? You know how you worked hard? And there was no guarantee that you would get a harvest. But you are not going into that land. Egypt is cursed. This is the promised land, no curses. But if you obey my voice and keep my commandments, my eyes are on you from the beginning of the year till the end of the year. We are really on the second day. The 363 days left. He says, you obey my voice, you will suddenly realize what job satisfaction is. You will suddenly realize, you know what, I am not working under a curse. In the Garden of Eden, they were cursed. Cain, the land was again cursed. There he says, with hard toil you will bring. This time with Cain, he said, it will not bring anything even with your heart. Curse upon curse upon curse upon curse upon curse. Then the law comes. Even more curses. The whole world is operating under curses. And God says, you are not under a curse. He became a curse for you. And I am giving you the blessing, the blessing of the Holy Spirit. Listen to his voice. Listen to his voice. And you will realize how restoration takes place. That's the difference between labor and rest. The people in the world labor and labor and then they go pop a pill and they are knocked out. In the morning they kick up a drogi and they have to have coffee to stay awake and they are sitting and working. He says, no, you rest. And then you go work. You rest and you work. Because I'll take care of you. Why are you working? Because your father is a worker. You'll be working in heaven, so get practiced. But you're not laboring like them. Because you're not under a curse. Joel 2.26 You shall eat plenty. When restoration takes place, when restoration takes place, the promise is plenty. Meaning you will not know lack. Plenty. Look at what he told Israel in Jeremiah 33. And verse 6. Behold, I will bring it health and healing. I will heal them and reveal to them the abundance of peace and truth. Abundance. You will have plenty. You will be at peace. 
you will be at peace. The promise of God is that, you know what, when restoration takes place, whatever need, lack you actually need in life, you will not get in dribbles. You will have plenty. If you have peace, you will have so much peace to pass over. If you have joy, your joy will be contagious. If he blesses you with wealth, you will be a giver. If he gives you a gift, that gift will work in abundance. You will have plenty. You will not lack. You will not lack. This is restoration. This is restoration. Plenty. And you have to believe. Do you know the fact that Jesus, when he started his ministry, he did not have a place to sleep, but he did not ever lack. We are talking about supernatural provision of God as you walk by faith. Supernatural provision of God. 5,000 people plus women and children. Let's feed them. Lord, only five loaves. Let's give it to him. You tell me a situation Jesus faced in his three and a half of ministry which he couldn't handle. It's nothing. There's always abundance. People come, oh, you have to pay a tax. He said, Peter, you only asked me about my tax. But I'm going to work it away. You will pay your tax also from my tax. No? Go over there, the first fish. Inside, there is a coin. What does it mean? Is he doing a miracle? No. He's hearing from the spirit where his breakthrough will come. I'm telling you, you will hear from the spirit of God how your breakthrough will come. He will tell you what to do. The widow came to Elisha and said, Oh, your, your, my, my Lord, your servant is dead. The debtors have come. The uh, creditors have come. They are going to take our two sons and sell them. He said, what do you have? She said, nothing, a little oil. He said, bring me all the empty containers in that village. She went and brought the empty containers. He said, shut the door behind you and pour it. And the Bible says she kept on pouring it. Oil did not run out. The vessels ran out. And he said, when that happens, go sell it, pay your debts, and live on the rest. What he's saying? He's saying, he will tell each one of you how your breakthrough will come. It will come. He will tell you. He will tell you. He will tell you. And he will tell you. You have to believe he will tell you. That's what he's talking about. He will tell you. And suddenly you will see an overflow coming in. And when the overflow coming in, don't hold it. Don't hold it. Because the Bible is very strict about in James chapter 5, 1 to 6. You don't have to go. If you hold wealth in the last days, if you hold, you are under curse, under judgment. I'll tell you personally in my life, I've gone into debt only for giving. I've never gone in debt for myself. Never in my life. Of course, if you ask me, do I have debt? Yes, even credit card. For what? To give out to people for their need. But I have no fear it will all be repaid. No fear at all. No fear. Never, never known debt. Never known debt. That's why the efficiency is... Why should we work? So that you have enough to give. That is, your mindset has to change. Because your father is a giver. And it's more blessed to give than to receive. And God says, I want you to stop thinking scarcity and lack and fear and poverty. Lord, make me like yourself. He says, well, my son was a giver. Wherever he went, he gave. 
What was the need? He gave accordingly. Now we can't be all that Jesus is, but we need to be what Jesus wants us to be. Because he is the head. We are a body, many parts, many parts have many function. And you have to realize, what is my function? In that function, if I believe, I will have plenty. I will have plenty. I will not lack. I will never face a situation where I will say, I don't know what to do. Jesus is teaching that. He's fast asleep. The boat is sinking. The disciples are panicking. And they wake up. Don't, Lord, don't you care? He's facing a situation. He looks and he rebukes the wind. And speaks to the sea. And before you know, everything is still. He's telling us, as you go through your life, if you listen to the voice of my spirit and obey, you will not face a situation which you cannot handle because I am in you. That's what the Bible says. Greater is he that is in us than he who is in the world. In the world. You have to believe. The first promise over there is that. What is that? When he restores. You will have. Plenty. Next. And praise the name of the Lord your God. First is plenty. Second is. Praise. You have to learn to praise God. This is a promise. The question is. Do you believe or not? If you believe, you should start praising today. Oh, when that plenty happens, I am going. God says, you really didn't believe. You really didn't believe. You really didn't believe. He says, you will praise me. You will praise me. Look at the corresponding promise Jeremiah says. Jeremiah 33, verse 7 to 8. The voice of... I will cause the captives of Judah and captives of Israel to return. Rebuild those places as at the first... And I will cleanse, oh no, it was the other one which you, which you showed. Verse 11, yeah. The voice of joy and the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom, the voice of the bride, the voice of those who will say, praise the Lord of hosts, for the Lord is good, for his mercy endures forever. And those who will bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord, for I will cause the captives of the land to return. So he's saying, you know what? Praise, rejoice, exult. Okay. You have to believe. If there are areas in your life where you are captive, He will bring liberty in those areas. The Bible says very, very clearly, Bible says very, very clearly, it was when Paul and Silas were worshipping God and praising God, the chains came off. The Bible does not say when the chains came off, they worshipped. Any donkey can do that. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says they started praising God. They started rejoicing in their chains. And what you hear is their chains come off. Everybody's chains comes off. And that's what he's talking about. The captives will be released. Rejoice. Bring the sacrifice of praises. You have to take it. Don't wait for your plenty. If you believe, you will start praising. If you're waiting for your plenty to praise, you will struggle. You will struggle. Because faith does not operate that way. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things unseen. What is that you want to see? Plenty. What is the evidence you are seeing it? Praising. We are on the second day of the first month. Bills have to be paid. Start praising. (laughs) Hebrews 13.15 
Therefore by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice. Why does it say by him? It says, if you are still, you are worried, you are still, you will hear the Spirit of God say, sing. Sing. Listen to the voice of the Spirit. He will sing. Why are you downcast? Sing. Sing. And you will see the breakthrough happening. God will start moving. God will start moving. Please understand this. He's rebuilding us here. He's restoring first his image here. Don't first think about houses and bungalows and all. That is not what is important. First you need to be the person who can live in that house. First. You know, all fathers do this. Pastor Vijay can't do it because he has two daughters. When your son is small, they are fascinated by shaving. They also want to shave. You know what you do? You put the form on their face and give him the toothbrush to wipe it off. You don't give him the razor. You don't give him the razor because it will cut him. The thing God is saying, I have so much for you. Will you please grow? Otherwise you will just have form. Will you please grow? He's building you. Will you allow me to build you up inside? We are so worried about buildings. You see, he's rebuilding for us, us here and building for us there. Could somebody help Amma over there, please? Yeah. Uh, you can't move the camera. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. The cameraman is coming. Okay. Okay. Okay, okay, it's fine. I don't have to be seen. I need to be heard. Okay, okay. So the, the, the word of God is very clear about these things. Okay. He's rebuilding the person inside. And if you're worried about your building, then read John chapter 14. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house, there are many huts. Shanties. What does it say? Mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. So if I go and prepare a place for you, I will. I will come back again. You know? See, the issue is this. It's a prepared place for a prepared people. You know what God is doing over here? I'm preparing you. I'm preparing you. Others will feel like misfits there. Misfits there. You know, God is preparing us. Okay. He's, he's building us inside while he's building us a place there. But what we need over here, he will give it to us. So what should be that? What should be our response? Build me, Lord. Build me, Lord. I'll put you in examples that you understand what God I'm trying to tell you. This is temporary, that is eternal. You see, when my kids were small, very, 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 very small, I did up their room. They are small. I did their room. Color, floor, bunk bed, 
matching bed sheets, everything, teddy bears, everything I did for them. And they were fascinated. To get them out of that room was very difficult. Now let me think about it. They are all old now in college. I put them in that room. How will they feel? They'll say, what's wrong with you, dad? We are embarrassed. My question is this. When you reach heaven, you want to be in an adult room or in a play kit, playpen? Where do you want to go? Seriously think. While I'm talking to you, get me Galatians chapter 4.1. Where do you want to go? You reach heaven and God has got all these rooms and there are playpens also. Where do you want to go? I say that the heir, as long as he's a child, does not differ at all from a slave, though he's a master of all. This is talking about eternity. It's talking about eternity. Imagine living in earth for 70 years, 80 years, and entering into the playpen there. Because he says, you didn't grow. You didn't grow. Now imagine we all reach heaven and everybody reaches at 60, 70, 80 and Sister Elsa is also there and all of you are 60, 70 goes to Sister Elsa in heaven and looks in the tank for chocolate and she says you don't leave me here also. (laughs) What a joke it will be. And this is reality. God says keep your eyes on things above. You don't want to end up as a child in heaven. That's a lot. Thank God you're reaching heaven. But you don't want to end up as a child. You don't want to end up as a child. He says, believe in my promises. Stand there. Possess it. That is how you grow. In possessing it, there is a battle. The battle is that causes you to grow. The Joshua who was timid. The Joshua who was afraid. The Joshua to whom God has to say three times in three verses. Be courageous. Don't be afraid. Be bold. Be courageous. And then the first defeat. Fall flat on his face. Talks like the rest of old Israel. His forefathers who died. He tell them, why did you bring us here? It would have been better to be Egypt. God said, get up and go. A little later, who is this man? Stop son. Stop moon. Calls the men and says, put your legs, feet on their neck. How did this man change? Because the battle changed him. And faith is a battle. If you just say it and it comes, it's not a battle. It's magic. We are not magicians. We are called to walk by faith. And faith is a battle. What is the battle? We have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus in the heavenly realm. The battle is to bring it down to earth what I need. And there, are, there is opposition. There is a demonic. There are locusts. There is a spirit of slumber. The spirit of complacency. The spirit of unbelief. You have to fight these spirits. Wake up at 3 in the morning and tell, Spirit of slumber, I am done with you for 2021. This is a new year. I am not going to sleep my destiny away. I am going to wake and I am going to fight. And I am going to win my battle. That's what Paul says at the end. I fought that good fight. Where is your assurance of your crown, Paul? Because I fought that good fight. Throw away your food and say, you know what? Next seven days I am fasting because I am in battle. In the kingdom, in the kingdom of this world, you eat to fight. In the kingdom of God, you fast to fight. And I am rechanging my thinking, Lord. I will fight this fight and I will not allow the devil to steal my destiny or my children or my household. I don't have to worry about what you build over there. I just have to worry about being the man to stay there. You have to fight this. Otherwise, hearing is of no use. 
Faith comes from hearing. And that faith has to be worked out, has to be fought out. Your life has to change. Otherwise it will be silly to end up in heaven like children. And to be taught by the children in your Sunday school who became adults. <laughs> there will be a lot of funny things in heaven. So plenty. And if God has promised you plenty, you praise Him. And you say like David, your praise shall be continually in my mouth. It shall be continually. I shall praise the Lord at all times. If it's not enough singing, I will praise Him in the morning. Monday to Saturday, praise Him in the morning. Praise Him in the noon time. Praise Him in the evening. Let there be joy in your heart always. Don't let the enemy through situations steal it. Habakkuk chapter 3. Verse, though the fig tree may not blossom, nor the fruit be on the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail, and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. That is before the promise comes. Everything is there. Bear, dying. Yet, promise has come. Promise has come. Nothing has changed before your eyes. Yet, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Whatever you are praying for, hoping for restoration in your home, your marriage, your household, your children, your job, whatever, rejoice in the Lord. I am believing, Lord. And I am saying, Lord, give me a promise to stand on. Give me a promise. And I will stand on the promise. And I will praise you. And I will praise you. And I will rejoice. And what will happen? Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will join the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet. He will make me walk on my high hills. He says, you will not go down. You will only go up. You will not go down. You will only go up. Depression takes you down. When the spirit of heaviness comes, put on the garment of praise. Depression takes you down. Oppression takes you down. But rejoicing and praise takes you up. Try it. You will see how quickly your mood will change. Try it practically. How quickly your mood will change as you start singing. And if you can't sing, plug in your headphones. Pick up a worship leader and sing along. Sing along. Ask Ma, she and I were listening. I was making her listen to a song. She's never heard it before. So I put one airport into her ear and said, listen, what happened? When you listen to songs like that, you don't sit still in the car. Hands automatically go up because you're worshipping. Because a person is worshipping in the spirit and singing in the spirit. You don't come depressed to church. Your spirit is lifted up. Spirit is lifted up. You have to fight this. These are weapons of warfare. They are not carnal. They are mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. They are mighty. So God says there is plenty. And God says praise, rejoice. And verse 26. You shall eat plenty and be satisfied. Praise the name of the Lord your God. Why? Who has dealt wondrously. Dealt. See, God uses pastors. Joshua, where are you on this side of Jehovah? I have given the land to you. Now go take it. He will never say, I may give you, I shall. He says, it's given. It's given. He's looking at the walls of Jericho. Jesus stands next and says, go, I have given the city to you. I have given. 
See, God always speaks as something it is already done. That's what the Bible says. Who has dealt wondrously. Has the locust gone? No. But it says, I have already dealt. What does it mean? He defines now purpose in your life. Purpose has come. Otherwise, there's no promise. What's the point of plenty and praise without purpose? That's what happened to a lot of people. They believed half. They got prosperous and the purpose is gone. There is purpose. Where do you get purpose? Because he has dealt wonderfully with me. I have purpose in life now. 2022, Lord, will be the year you tell me what my purpose is. I will not wander. I will not beat around the bush aimlessly. I will not just meander through this faith walk. There has to be purpose. And Lord, if you struggle because you don't have purpose. And God will give you purpose. Why? Because he is treating you as sons and daughters. How did you find your purpose? During the famine. During the pestilence. During the hard times. You realize the father was disciplining you. Why should you discipline me? Because you are my son. You are my daughter. I didn't randomly save you. I saved you with a purpose. God does not have purposeless children. Now go to Hebrews 12, 5 to 8. Have you forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons? My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him, for whom the Lord loves chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate. You are not sons. So if the locusts have eaten you, and you look at your unbelieving friends, everything is going. God says it has eaten you. It's only because you are my children. I won't let you go in there. Oh, Egypt, they always kept on. Egypt, let's go to Egypt. It is green. You know why? Nile is flowing. With our legs, we can make it green. Here, we always have to depend upon heavens. Let us go there. God says, no locusts there. You know why? Because they are not my children. They prosper, poverty, live, die. I don't care. You are my children. I will spank the daylights out of you. Because you are people with purpose. People with purpose. Don't forget your purpose. Plenty will come. When plenty comes, don't forget your purpose. What are the key words? What is the context of this? Look at 3 to 4. Hebrews 3. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself. Lest you become weary and discouraged in your soul, you have not yet resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin. Why did the curse come upon you? Because of sin. So I disciplined you. What are you called to? Fight sin. Don't get discouraged when you are fighting sin in your life. The entire purpose of discipline is to overcome sin. Why? Because only overcomers inherit in heaven. The first, the foremost thing we have to overcome in our life is sin. Why did the locusts come? Because of sin. Knowingly or unknowingly, but locusts come. Locusts once you are, your poor fellow doesn't know. 
He says, doesn't know, let us go. Let me ask you this question. The thief gets in the house where you are watching or not watching? Ah, not watching. I am a son. I am a daughter. I have purpose. And he is dealing wondrously with me. He's dealing wondrously with me. Why? So that I can be disciplined. He says over there, so that you share in his righteousness. It's not enough that we share in his righteousness. To have a right standing with God and right standing in our dealings with one another. That's not enough. 12.14. It's all there. Pursue peace with all people. Holiness without which no one will see. Put it together. Try to be at peace with everybody. In a regular life, you meet. Believer, unbeliever. We all have a set of people we meet in our life. Try to live in peace with them. Why? If you don't, you will not see God. Don't fight with your neighbor. Don't shout at your maid. Don't scream at your driver, if you have a driver. Don't work, shout at those who work below you. Walk in peace. Deal with issues, walk in peace. Otherwise, you will not see God. Without holiness, no one will see God. You see what God is doing? He's preparing a person to live in a place he's preparing. He says, righteousness, peace, holiness, pursue these things. And you will only learn during difficult times. You won't learn these things in good times. And God says, this is the purpose. Why righteousness? Why holiness? Without holiness, no one will. Look at Revelation 22. Eternal. There shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. They shall you want to see his face and serve? Or do you want to get your orders in heaven on SMS? See his face. See his face. Eternal things. Temporal things also will happen. But eternal things. Keep your eyes on eternal things. Pursue righteousness. Pursue peace. Pursue holiness. Without it, no one will. Why righteousness? Hebrews 1.8 but to the son, he says, your throne of God is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of. If you want to rule along with Jesus, we need to know what righteousness is. Otherwise, we will not be able to reign. You're not able to reign. Have you ever seen somebody who does not have a law degree becoming a judge? No. Never. All judges are lawyers because they know the law. So if you're going to rule and the scepter of his kingdom is righteousness, can you rule without knowing what the righteousness of God is? How do you know, learn the righteousness of God? Through discipline, righteousness, holiness. That's how you learn. Okay, she will be quiet there, don't worry. So he has dealt wonderfully with us. Plenty, peace, purpose. Doesn't stop there. 2.26. Joel 2.26. You shall eat in plenty, be satisfied. That is plenty. Praise the Lord of the name who has dealt wondrously and you will have purpose in your life and my people shall never be put to shame. Protection. Never be put to shame. 
We don't understand what it means. Jeremiah 33, 8, Hebrews 8, 12. I will cleanse them from all their iniquity by which they have sinned against me. I will pardon all their iniquities by which they have sinned and by which they have transgressed against me. Hebrews 8.12 For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. And the next one. Keep that in your mind. Hebrews this thing. But this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days. Listen carefully. Says the Lord, I will put my law in their minds, write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they shall be my people. No more shall every man teach his neighbor, every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest of them. Say the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and their sins I will remember no more. Thus says the Lord who gives sun for light by day, the ordinance of the moon and stars for a light, who disturbs the sea and waves, he says, you will never be put to shame. Do you know what it means? Do you know what it means? There's nobody standing here, sitting here in this house or listening online who does not want others to know the shameful things they have done. There's nobody here. You don't want anybody to know. And God says, you come to me and I restore you. Nobody will know. Guarantee it. Nobody will know. When people stand for their judgment before God, everything will be visible. But you, nothing. I will not put you to shame. You want everybody to know on in heaven? Everything. God says, not you. When I restore you, I'll give you plenty. When I restore you, Trace will break out of your mouth. When I restore you, you will have purpose in your life. And all the things which you did, nobody knows, but I know, I will not remember. And I will not put you to shame. When God talks about restoration, everybody has skeletons in their cupboard. With their own parents don't know. Children sitting over the parents have no clue. Parents have done things with children have no clue. Individuals have things with the other spouse doesn't know. And you don't want to talk about it because you are so ashamed. But Christ says, you came to me and I forgave you and I will remember it no more. You will not be put to shame. Have you want restoration? That's what the word is talking about. Twice he says, 26, my people shall never be put to shame. Verse 27, then you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel. I am the Lord your God and there is no other. My people shall never be put to shame. (coughs) Second thing he says, now he's reiterating, you know what? How will you know that I will never put you to shame? Because I'll be in your midst, I'll be in you. You will experience my presence and you will not be ashamed. Because if God is with you, What are you to be ashamed of? If God accepts you, who cares who rejects you? Personal promise of his presence. We need to look at these promises and say, you know, Lord, I just want to thank you. The simple question is, what did we do to earn this? Nothing. We just turned from our wicked ways, turned to him, and he says, this is what I will do for you. I always wanted to do this for you. You are the one who went away from that. 
Now would you return? I will restore. I will restore. So he promises plenty. He promises praise from our lips. He promises us purpose. And he promises us protection. Doesn't stop there. 28, 29. And it shall come to pass afterward. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. He promises us power. Power like never seen. And he's saying, your children shall prophesy. You will be a prophetic voice. You may not realize it in your workplaces. When you open up and speak, they will realize, what is this? But Pharaoh was stunned. Because he not only gave him an interpretation of the dream, he told him how to do it. How can a slave boy who came out of the dungeon give administrative opinion to the Pharaoh who's got all his counselors? This is what's going to happen. This is what God is telling. And I will tell you the solution. This is what you need to do. That's why God said, I put you over there. I'm telling you, you know, even your advice in your companies, even in your advice in your workplaces, in your advice, what you say in your homes will be prophetic. Because God says, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. That's what happened in the Bible. If you look at it, whether it was in Egypt or whether it was in Babylon, it was the servants of God who had an answer. But all the enchanters and magicians, everything stopped and there was no solution. God spoke through them. And God is saying, you know what? I will not even stop with protection. I'm going to anoint you. I'm going to pour out my spirit upon you and you will prophesy. The spirit of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Spirit of prophecy. And it's not just for one set of people. Everybody, young and old. The old shall see dream dreams. The young shall see visions. Forget the crazy dreams you see in your dreams. Snake coming, jackal coming, lion coming. You will see my dreams. And when God gives you a dream, the power of that dream when God gives you a vision, over a vision he saw on the road to Damascus, he ran for years. And at the end of his life, he says, King Agrippa, I have been faithful to that vision. A man who has never entered an unbeliever's life, a home, and never fellowshiped with him, never eaten with him. Once he has seen at daytime the same vision repeated twice, he enters into an unbeliever's house. The spirit of God falls and the Gentiles start getting saved because he saw a vision. Europe was saved because Paul saw a vision. Come to Macedonia. He says, I will give you visions. Your old dreams will change. I will give you dreams. Joseph's life began with a dream. You have to believe. Lord, you said this would happen in the last days. I want to be a vessel. I just don't want you an empty voice. I want to be a prophetic voice. I want to have a voice that speaks life into others. I want to, Lord, make me, even our little children. That's the promise. I will pour out. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Young men shall see visions. And also on my men servants and my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit on those days. So what was written for Joel was not written for Joel's time. It was written for us. For Joel's people, all they wanted was the locust to go and rain to come. That is all they were satisfied with it. And don't be satisfied with it. A promotion, an increment. Don't be satisfied. God is promising 
great things. The question is, will you believe? That is how restoration takes place. Restoration takes place. When that power comes upon his people, you know verse 32, it shall come to pass that whoever, whosoever calls upon the name, God says, I will anoint your lips. I will anoint your mouth. That when you speak, anyone who calls upon the name of Jesus will be saved. I will give you that kind of anointing. People will get saved. You have to hunger for these things. And all the other things will be added. Old and new covenant has never changed when it comes to material blessings. God says, if you listen to my voice, obey my command, these blessings, you can outrun them. You cannot outrun. You don't even have to look for them. They will be running after you. Faster you run, even more faster they will catch up and they will overtake you. You know what Jesus said? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things. What are those things? What I need to eat, what I need to drink, what I need to wear, my provisions for this life, I will keep adding. You put me first, I will do the rest. What is the rest we will do? Is this. Will be an anointed generation. As darkness rises around the world, darkness rises around the world, God says, my light will rise upon you. And the Gentiles will see that light. That is Isaiah 60, verse 1. You have to read that in the amplified version. Then you will understand it applies to us. It's interesting. I didn't give it there right now. 60, 6, 0, and 1. Arise from the depression. Everyone looks depressed. Arise from the depression and prostration which circumstance has kept you. Rise to new life. He came to bring life. Life in abundance. Arise from depression. When the whole world is going through depressed, why are you depressed is God saying. You are my people. Do you think this COVID is anything for me? In which way can you lose? Heads you win, tails they lose. You live, you win. You die, you win. So what are you worried about? Like I said on Saturday, you eat pork, you go to heaven faster. You didn't eat, don't eat pork, you still go to heaven. That's what the pastor answered. Pastor, if I eat pork, will I go to heaven? He says, yeah, a little faster. You can't lose. (laughs) With God, it is impossible to lose. Impossible to lose. Whosoever calls. Are you getting the picture? Look at Ephesians 3.20. Look at what God says. Now to him. Now to him, if we believe, okay? If we believe. Our side is only believing. They could not enter the promised land because they did not believe. Though they defeated all their enemies in the wilderness, they could not believe to fight the enemies in the promised land. They only could not enter because they didn't believe. Therefore, to him who is able to do exceedingly 
abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. The Spirit of God. God says, you are limited. That's what he told Israel. You limited my hand by your unbelief. You have to believe. That's why we keep telling you, separate. Don't contaminate your mind. That's what the devil wants to do. Once your mind is contaminated, faith goes. You just become another ordinary person. Ordinary person. God is not able to do anything through you. Separate and separate unto him. Be a different person in 2022. Different person. The promise is there. The promise of restoration. And when God restores, if you look into God's kingdom, when he restores, it is always better than before. And more than you imagined. You think about it. When Andrew and Philip took that tiffin and put it into the hands of those little, uh, into Jesus' hands, how many people do you think they hope to feed? It did even cross their wildest imagination. 5,000 people would be fed from five loaves. They had no clue. Do you know what happens? You know, the Bible says, cry, turn, rent your heart. Our problem is that. You can't rent your heart on your own. You have to allow God to rent it. Our problem is we do not experience this abundantly because communion table, that's why I put it over there. And if you look at the communion table, every time Jesus did it, there is something spectacular. He takes what is given into his hands. He blesses it. That's all we want. And then we eat it. That's not what the Bible says. He broke it. He broke it. Once he breaks it, he passes it on. And it satisfies everybody. Let me ask you. 80 years of Moses. Who was he a blessing to? Nobody. The last 40 years of Moses. Broken man. Blessing till today. Was a whole David. Or a broken David. That comforts people. A broken David. God says. Would you please allow me to break you. Don't jump out of my hand. Help me to break you so that you will satisfy many lives. And David understood that. A broken and a contrite heart. It's not before people. Not walking like this and all. That is before God. You never see Moses cringing before people. Not before Pharaoh. He was a strong man. Broken before God. So people misunderstood him. Aaron misunderstood him. Miriam misunderstood him. So the, God says, you don't know him. You don't know how he is before me. I talk to him face to face. Because I am humble. He is humble. You think he's arrogant. He's not arrogant. He's meek. And he stands there. He's standing there in my authority. And you don't like it. So believe for this year. God will do amazing things. The devil has done monstrous things. Verse 19 says, but God has done marvelous things. You have to believe. Don't see God will do. Doesn't work. That's not faith. That is sight. God has done. 
you have to see the end from the beginning because that's how God sees. You know it real? Lord, on the 2nd of January 2022, and I am looking backwards from the wash night service of this year. You have done marvelous things in my life. By faith, I will confess because you are marvelous. What else can you do? A marvelous God can only do marvelous things. Therefore, I praise you by faith. And you will see the shackles falling off, the spirits leaving, and you will feel liberty. You will hear God speaking, and you will see the breakthrough coming one by one. Suddenly you realize, I am being used by God. I have become a vessel in his hands. I am not a spectator anymore in the kingdom. I am an active vessel in the hands of God. And you want to be that this year. So we will go to the communion table. Ask the elders to come. Remember, when you take that broken bread, tell him, Lord, break me. I may not like the process, but I see the result in your word. So by faith, with boldness, I'm telling you, Lord, break me and use me. Worship team will come. Come, come. Thou hast saved and cleansed and filled me that I might thy channel be channels only blessed master but with all thy wondrous power flowing through us thou canst use us every day and every hour to the Lord the Sunday school teachers is also here shall we pray. Father, this morning we just want to thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. We thank you for your love. Thank you we are redeemed from under the curse. We do not want to go back to the curse, Lord. If we go into the world, we are cursed. We go under the law, we are cursed. In Christ, we are blessed. There's only one place of blessing. It's in Christ and Christ alone. And as we partake of the emblems of your body and your blood that was broken and shed to redeem us from the power of that curse, I pray we will walk continuously in you, listening to the voice of your Holy Spirit and obeying him, Lord. Staying in the covenant. We will be made well. We will be strengthened. And we will be awake to the moving of the Holy Spirit, Lord. For you promise us that at the communion table. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So as we come to the last concluding minutes, we saw on Saturday from the book of Hosea, chapter 6, 1 and 2 talks about what he does in the first and the second day. Let us know. Let us pursue the knowledge of the Lord. 
His going forth is established as the morning. He will come to us like the rain, like the latter and the former rain. What are we supposed to do? He will come. What are we called to do? Pursue the knowledge of God. That's why we are here. I want to know you. That was Paul's cry. But Peter's final word to the church was, grow in grace and in the knowledge of God. Proverbs 11 and verse 9, the second part says, but through knowledge, the righteous will be delivered. How will we be delivered? The locusts come to eat, to destroy, to steal, to kill. How will we be destroyed? Even the righteous will be delivered only by the knowledge of God. That's why we pursue. My people perish because of lack of knowledge. For years we prayed that prayer from the book of Ephesians. Open my eyes. Not in the movie theaters, but Lord, for your word. Not before Netflix, before your word. What was the prayer we prayed? That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give it to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The promises that are there. And Peter puts it so powerfully through these promises. We partake of the divine nature and escape the corruption that is in the world through lust. Like I said on Saturday night, Saturday night, first uh, 31st night, I'll give you the promise. Uh, I'll give you the words which I said from Exodus 3.11. When Israel left Egypt, before they left Egypt, before Moses goes to Egypt, this is what God tells how they will leave. Moses, uh, uh, no, they will go out with, uh, okay, yeah, no, 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 with, they will, I will cause favor, and you, sh- is it 411? No, no, it's not 411, not, it's where he says, you will, you, I will cause you, you will not go with your hands empty, out of Egypt. You will not go out of Egypt empty. When you exit, should not get out of life empty. When you die, you should not die with your hands empty. I'm talking about, not I'm talking about your physical hands. I'm talking about spiritually, you should be able to offer something to the king. 321, okay. Okay. I will give this people favor in the sight of Egyptians. It shall be when you go, you shall not go empty hand. He's talking Prophetically, you see, Moses has not even gone into Egypt. God is already saying, when my people leave Egypt, the hands will be full. God is telling us, when you leave planet Earth, your hands will be full to give an offering to the king. You will not go empty-handed. Don't want to go empty-handed. I don't want to go empty. I don't want to meet you saying, Lord, I did nothing for you. I was so absorbed in my life, in the last minute, like the thief on one side, I accepted you and I died and came. You don't want to go there. You want to go with your hands full. That's why we pursue. Pursue. Psalm 44, 3 and 4. For they did not gain possession of the land by their own sword, nor did their own arms save them. But it was your right hand, your arm, and the light of your countenance because you favored them. Please remember this. This is how it happens. It is not because we are strong. It's because he is with us and for us. We will win our battles. 
So what should be our prayer? You are my king, O God. Command victories for Jacob. You are my king. Command victories for Jacob. So as I close, final words for today. Luke 15, verse 8. Woman having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, search carefully until she finds it. There are so many things in the world our generation has lost. You want to fight in, first you have to light a lamp. Ask God, light a lamp in me. And don't read your Bible casually. She swept with a broom. Ask God, help me until I find it. What I need for my restoration. What I need to turn from. It's all here. You will not find anything of eternity outside this. It's in here. She lit a lamp. The first thing she lit a lamp. Because if you search in darkness, you find nothing. When you light a lamp, darkness flees. Your word is a lamp unto my feet. The entrance of your word brings light. She lit a lamp. And then she searched carefully. Carefully. Don't be a casual listener of the word. Don't be a casual reader of the word. Prepare and come. Because the spirit of slumber, the spirit of complacency has taken over the world. And you can't be part of that. Separated from, separated unto, when you go out, a blessing. Because God has promised, I will restore. And you will eat plenty and be satisfied. And Amos will say, at the last days, there will be a famine of the hearing of the word. You, like Joseph, would be able to open up the granaries of God and give out a prophetic word for those who are famished, hungry, and not knowing where to go. Because you are full and you have eaten. Because your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. They shall dream dreams and see visions. Believe it for yourself. Shall we stand? Father, this morning, this first Sunday, second day of this new year, we stand in your promise. Your promises are yea and amen in Christ Jesus. And I pray your spirit will speak today, individually and through this year to all of us, Lord. That we will know exactly what our purpose is. We'll be endowed with power as you told your disciple. Clothed with your Holy Spirit with power. And that spirit will speak to us from within, O oh Lord. And define our purpose in these last days. And the son of righteousness shall rise over us with healing under his wings. And people shall be healed. People shall be set free. People shall be delivered. Deaf ears will open. Blind eyes will see. Oh, and grace will be poured upon our lips. Our old men and women shall receive dreams. Our young men and young women shall see visions, Lord. Even our children, out of our mouth of our children, shall come wisdom, Father. We want to be that generation. And your promises, I pray, will not go in vain, Father. 
And even now, I take authority in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. I command every spirit that is not from you, every demonic entity, every spirit of infirmity, every spirit of bondage to leave in Jesus' name. Every spirit of slumber, complacency, distraction, worldliness to leave in Jesus' name. And I pray they will not remain empty. They will allow the Holy Spirit to flood and fill their soul, their innermost being, O Lord, that from there rivers of living water will flow Father. Everyone I pray 2022 is a year of restoration, a year of blessing and a year of fruitfulness Lord in thy kingdom, in thy name for your glory, for your honor. Thank you, thank you Father. Thank you Lord. I ask all this in that name you have given us, the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, love of the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with each one of us. Amen. 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 God bless you.